For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to one hell of a show, The Geek Show. Welcome, dudes and dudettes, to 104.5 CVFM, and you're listening to The Geek Show. No, you're not. <laughs> well, they might not be listening. You're at least hearing yes, The Geek Show. Yes, you're hearing The Geek Show. And we have... With just that buzzing noise in the background. We have an argumentative Rob. No. He's argumental. It's because other Rob isn't here, so I'm going to try and channel him for a bit. And we have a <laughs> we have a rather like uh, chill Ben. Yeah, I'm chill. Oh, he's not. Uh, soon chill. he'll probably be back to his <laughs> caffeine and sugar fueled self with the floaty hands. Yep. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, there oh, oh! They're making an appearance. And I'm Dave. Yes. And, I, and today we're talking about the journey. Yes, taking the journey. Um, how are you guys doing before that? I'm good. I'm just back from a long journey myself. Yes. Um, I travelled down to the Birmingham Hilton and ran the games room at Kitacon, and it was a brilliant time and a lot of fun. It was about a four-hour journey there, so, yeah, journeys. Did, did you pick up any um, catalogs along the way? Team or? <laughs> or any catalogs? <laughs> Oh, I'm always picking up new party members. Uh, but one of the best things uh, about like going home on the Monday, which was a sad time, 
but uh, going home on a Monday is seeing all of the bits of props and costumes out <laughs> of people's suitcases. So you'll just see a massive sword or like a helmet or what, whatever bizarre piece of costume just yeah. hanging out the side of someone's uh, suitcases as they're leaving. Yeah. I, I love that on the way up where you just see the people who have something they can't fit in a bag. So they're just sat on a train holding a buster sword, just like... That's usually yep. me. Yeah, that is usually you. <laughs> uh, I once saw someone who um, had the giant cannon from um, Black Rock Shooter. Oh, just, yeah. Just sat on a train with a giant thing there, and then the giant sword on the other side looked like a Game of Thrones thing from an anime. <laughs> this should be a sword section in trains. <laughs> it would make yeah. my life a lot easier. Yeah. Travelling back from Huddersfield, um, we put it up with the umbrellas. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, it was the Buster Sword. You can't sheath the Buster Sword. There isn't a sheath for the Buster Sword. It would defeat the object of it. Yeah, this is true. I do have some sheaths for my other swords. Like the one I had for Auron. That's got a sheath. <coughs> what is it? Well, um, I have a sword bag for it. This is going down an entirely wrong route. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're, we're still talking about a journey, at least. Yep, yeah, journeys. <laughs> Yes, before then, um, some news for you guys. NASA have found water, liquid water, in space in our solar system. So um, we can f- have a service station for our journey to space. Yes. Uh, well, they've actually found out that a journey to Mars might not actually be very good for humans because uh, the cumulative lo- lack of gravity would turn your heart into a spherical shape, which would uh, ultimately cause you a lot of health problems, some of them seriously enough to kill you. Well, I did hear that they were proposing um, hiring senior citizens as astronauts for the journey to Mars. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, well, the idea was that they wouldn't all make it back for the return trip. Yeah. Okay. It's a little morbid, but it's something that NASA was seriously considering. So, yes. so they're just turning Mars into a intergalactic Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, NASA has found a subterranean ocean in Enceladus. Uh, a Enceladus! Large, <laughs> yes, I know. A large underground ocean of liquid water, and according to the space agency, this may be a potential home to extraterrestrial life. Uh, Enceladus was out of the list of potential life, ha- uh, life harbors in the solar system until now, the other major candidates being Titan and Europa. Uh, The data was captured by NASA's Cassini spacecraft and Deep Space Network has confirmed the theory of the underground water reservoir postulated in 2005. Ah, Um, According to uh, a guy from Sapienza University of Rome, uh, who's also the lead author of the paper that's presented the findings, the Cassini gravity measurements show a negative gravity anomaly at the South Pole that, however, is not as large as expected from uh, from the deep depression detected by the onboard camera. Hence the conclusion that there must be a denser material at depth that compensates for the missing mass, very likely liquid water, which is 7% denser than ice. The magnitude of the anomaly gave up the size of the water reservoir. So, oh, okay. Because um, I know the, that they have found mice on ours. Uh, mice on ours. Uh, ice on Mars. <laughs> yeah, they've found but ice. They've they, also they, found they've mice on ours. The, the presence of ice leads you to believe that water could be a thing because they've found... Um, Various uh, like 
yeah. ships of uh, land masses, like canals and gorges yeah. and things that would have occurred because of water. Yeah, because of liquid yeah. water. But uh, the fact that they've actually found liquid water, I think, is the important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because they've actually they've always said that liquid water for was one of the most important factors for life as we know it. Yeah, but that's just life as we know it. So uh, there's like a billion kajillion different types of parasites that live in water. Yeah. So there might be some on in this pile of water. It means we found aliens. And that's yes. pretty cool. Yes. Like, I know it's not the big impressive super life form we want to find that's going to teach us how to travel through space. But, but still, if there, yeah, it's cool. But if there is alien life and it's intelligent alien life and it has spacecraft, then we might be attacked by enchiladas. Oh. <laughs> Luckily for us, enchiladas are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dear God, they're k- killing us and eating our dead. No, no. What do we do? <laughs> yes. They, no, they're killing us and eating us with cheese. Yep. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> um, right, what move- they armed with? Yes. Forks. Moving on. Uh, we fa- come from the planet Quesadillas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we come from the planet Taco. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, uh, a five-year-old has managed to hack his dad's Xbox One account. Microsoft, where you play that? Um, uh, the five-year-old uh, Christopher von Hassel's uh, parents—they didn't want him getting uh, growing up playing video games. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, they put all the gory stuff behind a password, which he then uh, blew right past. So what is he like? Going away to bypass the password or work out the password? Or? Basically, what he did, um, he, his dad put his password on his uh, on his Xbox, and it was pretty simple. He basically put in uh, an incorrect password, then just entered a bunch of spaces when the Xbox asked for a retry, <laughs> and just like that, he was in. Okay. <laughs> so presumably, this has worked for anyone. Probably. All right. Interesting. <laughs> I think Microsoft will probably have fixed it by now, but uh, I'd hope so. there's no, like, there's no it guarantee. It seems like a pretty major flaw. Yeah. Found by a five-year-old. Yeah. Who? Um, Was he playing Call of Duty within minutes? Uh, probably, but apparently it's not the first time he's figured out how to beat a password okay. <laughs> at the age of five. Uh, he's also discovered a way to creep past the smartphone lock screen by holding down the home button. Ah. Yeah. Um, apparently he was only one at the time he did that. <laughs> this kid, like, by the time this kid's, like, 15, he's going to be the master hacker. Yeah, he's going to be, like, the planet's greatest hacker. Yeah. Like, by the time he reaches I just touch your computer and I know everything. He's going to become the laughing man by the time he's 20. I'm going to get him some fingerless gloves and some goggles now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, if we're talking 90s hackers. Uh, apparently, uh, it, does, it doesn't look like any grown-ups found this security flaw before this five-year-old well, did. Well, in a way, it's a kind of a bit like the Thousand Monkeys thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, like, if... Because if you're applying logic to hacking, uh, to, to try and get your way in, applying logic is kind of your hurdle. Whereas if someone was to just brute force try yeah. things at random without any, yeah, then eventually it's going to get through. And well, those are the two main types of trying to crack, crack anything. You know, you got the uh, me- you got the methodical approach where you try everything. You know, uh, and, and if that doesn't work, one. Yeah, you basically that's the methodical approach, and then you have got the other one, which is the intuitive approach, where you just go with whatever feels right. 
Yeah. So he, yeah. It's why games get a um, get public betas now because you cannot work out how people are gonna act. Yeah. It's like you can QA as much as you want, but in the studio, people act differently to help. I'm actually do out. happy about the open betas because it makes them, it, it, all these uh, guys who made a killing from market research. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> are slowly going out of business, and I'm happy about that. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, all you market researchers. I'm just sick of you calling me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. Right. <laughs> Passive-aggressive. <laughs> well, actually, not passive, just being aggressive. <laughs> yes. I had. A, I, check this out. Right, I had a phone call from the London Advisory Board. Right, We live in the north, northeast of England. Phone call from the London Advisory Board asking me who my gas and electric was with, which company. I said, um, so just can you tell me more about yourselves? She went, oh, we're the London Advisory Board. I said, but why is the London Advisory Board calling me when I live in Middlesbrough? And she said, oh, uh, we're just trying to help. I said, no, no, no. Could you tell me why the London Advisory (laughs) Board is calling me when I live in Middlesbrough? (laughs) Eventually, uh, she started sobbing and put the phone down. Um, <laughs> you made the poor woman cry. It's not my fault. She disturbed me while I was trying to eat. Um, never I'm get glad you and, and that she's sentence just trying, of eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's just trying to earn a living so she can get money so she can eat. Yes, I know. I'm a horrible, horrible person. You really are trundling over Rob today. Yes, I know. Um, anyway, uh, turning graphite into diamond. Graphite being all that stuff in your pencils. Um, not actual lead, otherwise we'd all be dead. Um, as some people still think it is. Uh, where are we? <laughs> researchers at Stanford where University... Am where are my pants? Yes, researchers at Stanford University here? claim to have found a shortcut to turning graphite into diamond. Which normally takes, you know, normally takes... Well, like thousands of years and thousands of tons of pressure. Yeah, um, you know, uh, 150,000 times the Earth's atmosphere, you know, the pressure of the Earth's Mm -hmm. atmosphere, to turn it into diamond and then lots of heat and time. Um, Not everyone has access to the machinery capable of generating that much pressure, but uh, it might no longer be needed. The researchers stacked four incredibly thin sheets of graphite, microscopically small, onto a platinum metal support structure, then topped it all off with a bit of hydrogen. Okay. Um, The Stanford team was actually trying to create a superior alternative to silicon, but instead they discovered that the addition of hydrogen started a domino-like chain reaction that altered the structure of graphite, and instead of being soft and brittle, which uh, made it ideal for pencils, the graphite became strong and sturdy like diamond. Ah, nice. So my plans of putting pencils under heavy books to make diamonds is just... No, you were actually on the right track. <laughs> you just need to add some nitrogen. No, hydrogen. Hydrogen. Hydrogen, <laughs> nitrogen. Same thing. No. No. Very different. But yeah, so yeah, Dave, you were actually on the right track. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> like. Dave, Dave, science. Dave <laughs> is almost at the point of brilliant science breakthroughs. People just get there moments before he does. <laughs> right, moving on. The robot revolution. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Yes, kangaroo. Um, this week, a company called Festo unveil- unveiled a bird-inspired wind turbine. But the day before they unveiled that, they unveiled a new robotic creation 
based on a kangaroo. Um, Does it have a smaller robot kangaroo in a robot <laughs> kangaroo pouch? Uh, no, but this oh. one's not a big kangaroo, so it might you know they might expand it so that a bigger version of this has a smaller version of this. That'd be you amazing. know like, uh, like aircraft carriers. <laughs> no, actually, I was thinking more like you remember Optimus Prime from the original series and oh, like roller yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it might be more like that. You never know. Transform and hop out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, it's uh, it's it actually jumps along like a kangaroo. I've got a, I've got a gif of it here. <laughs> uh, it kind of does. That's Boing. pretty clever, isn't it? It's got like little. Um, it's sort of got like you know them legs they use um, in the Paralympics for running. The Blade Runners. Yeah, that's kind of what the bottom of its feet look yeah. like. Um, like little springboards. Yeah, so it's it's quite like that makes sense. It's got quite a lot of uh, power in the hips, just like a normal kangaroo would, and the uh, the t- tail to counterbalance. So this all makes sense. Yeah, and it's shaped like a kangaroo. Yeah, well, it seems like the front bit is mainly just to make yeah. it look like a kangaroo, but like the the leg sections and the uh, the counterbalance tail that actually looks like. They're doing some uh, good research into robotics and physiology and animals and the way they move and things. Yeah. My, my question is, why a kangaroo? It seems a bit random. Because the kangaroo is one of the most efficient at moving long distances yep. in the animal kingdom. Yep. This is so true. if you're looking at animals that like... Um, you know, Land animals, of, anyway. In terms of energy input to like uh, forward momentum, yep. kangaroo's a good one to look at. Yeah. So should I start leaping everywhere to get some? No, fun? you shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> just like Everyone I should, should just no, not no, me. No, no, no. You shouldn't just like I shouldn't because um, we're not designed for that. They have uh, extra but cushioning on them, look, on their joints and yeah, stuff. If you look at the shape of a kangaroo, its its whole momentum is about going forwards. Yeah. yeah. So once it starts up, that the whole like the whole shape of it carries it through. Yeah. So it's designed for that movement yeah no it's so, good to have an animator here when we're talking about <laughs> this sort of thing but ben unfortunately you're not <laughs> we'll see even though your hair is more aerodynamic <laughs> than it once was <laughs> I, I, I've, I've started with the hair i'm slowly gonna make myself more, it, it, more it, it, from the top down he's slowly <laughs> slowly becoming more aerodynamic Faster, stronger more efficient ben <laughs> exactly from the top down before you know it i'll be running to middlesbrough <laughs> wow! <You> know, <laughs> like before you know it, Ben is going to be the number one um, ideal way of travelling the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been waiting for the nine so, o'clock Ben for fifteen minutes. It's still not arrived. Uh, uh, yeah, You've I'm, only catching, been waiting I'm catching the Ben to London. If you're only waiting fifteen minutes, that's better than any train or bus. <laughs> yes. Oh God, would you like to ride my Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody public bends, they're always <laughs> Look at it, you know, you wait for an hour for uh, for one, and then three bends come along at once. <laughs> right, anyway, uh, moving on. WTF award number one, and more brewing news here. Uh, brewing paleo beer. Is yeah. this like the Jurassic Park of brews? Kind of, yeah. Um, you know all this thing about microbrewers, they're always looking for weird and wacky uh, ways to make beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Bone Duster's Paleo Brew is the brainchild of a, bluer, uh, of a brewer who is also a fan of paleontology, which is the study of fossils and uh, ancient, you know, kind of geological creatures. Yeah, you deal like with them all the time, don't you, Rob? Yes, I do. They, they just come around and try and turf out bits of your room, see, see how people lived back then. 
Uh, no, actually. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly enough, they don't come round and turf out bits of my room. They come round and have a cup of tea, because I know them all. They're all from my age group. Anyway. It's kind of your so, age group that would be the paleontologists coming out to trash my room. So. Yes. Anyway, um, a guy called Jason Osborne, who chairs the non-profit PaleoQuest, uh, first dreamed up the idea to interest people in paleontology with the, uh, with the aid of beer, because that's what you need when yes, you're talking yeah. about dinosaurs. Yes. And then, like, you can, that'll bring you on to all sorts of questions, like uh, what dinosaur would win in a fight. Yeah. Um, He went to Jasper Ackerboom of uh, Lost Rhino Brewing Company, and they brainstormed the possibilities of a new type of beer, and Ackerboom suggested a Jurassic Park-style beer made from yeast preserved in amber. Um, Instead, they went to the fossil archives of Calvert Marine Museum in Maryland, swabbed old bones and eventually found one yeast that could ferment beer. It turned out to be a variant of a type of yeast uh, for breweries, and it's 35 million years old. Okay. It's pretty old. Not as old as dinosaurs. Not uh, not as old as dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are over 65 million years old. Yes, this did come from a fossilised whale, though. Okay. So, yes. Awesome, like some sort of leviathan brew. See, if they call it that, I would have been impressed. They they should have. Dave, you should be on the marketing campaign for this. Yes. Yes. If they want to pay me money, yes, I'll be there. Yes. Anyway, uh, moving on, WTF Award number two, President Vader. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yep. Um, (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Darth Vader... Or a guy dressed as Darth Vader, we should say. Darth Vader has declared himself a candidate in the Ukrainian presidential election. As if the country didn't have enough problems. You know, they they might go to the dark side. Um, They already have enough problems. They do. It's it's quite a bad state over there at the minute. Um, I kind of lost track of what's happening at this point because... It seems that the Western world has kind of switched off to it. As they it, always do. Yeah. Um, As they so always... I find it very difficult to get any updates on it. It seems that Russia are being incredibly aggressive and no one's stopping them. Which, But yeah. that's what generally happens because we have a bunch of spineless... Uh, I'm not even going to go into it. Uh, to be fair, it is one of them situations where it's like, you don't mess with Russia. Well, So, unfortunately, they are allowed a lot of small victories... Because, yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I don't see why we shouldn't mess with Russia. I'm not warmongering or anything like that, but... You Rob know. is calling Russia out. Yeah, come on, Putin, <laughs> I'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, uh, the Sith Lord has... They, they uh, have bears on unicycles and everything. <laughs> we have most of the poisonous snakes in the world. We don't. Well... My parents do, from their country. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway. We only uh, have one poisonous snake in Britain, and it's the black adder. Yeah, that's... There you good. go. That's the true thing. I know. It's also a really <laughs> But for some reason, show. I was thinking of Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking of. <laughs> you know, stop your invasion. Otherwise, we will show you a picture of Rowan Atkinson smiling. 
and he has a cunning plan. Yes. <laughs> um, no, no, that was Baldrick, Tony, Tony Robinson. Is it as cunning as a fox who had been uh, made professor of cunning at Oxford University? <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, Darth Vader told RT News, I am prepared to take responsibility for the fate of this country. If fellow citizens do me this high honour, I alone can make an empire out of a republic to restore former <laughs> glory, to return lost territories and pride for this country. Um, the Dark Lord has the backing of the Internet Party of Ukraine and uh, Vader has also made the required monetary deposit of 2.5 million Ukrainian Hrivnia, or £135,323, required not, for candidacy. That's unsubstantial. That's like more that's, money than you put in for a joke. Yeah, I know. Um, which is why I think this might actually be a serious thing. Well, uh, have you heard of... Um, you know Hartlepool. It's yes. fairly local to here. seaside town. And it voted in a monkey as its mayor. Yes, I know. And uh, the guy actually did quite a good job. Yes, I know. So Vader might actually work out. So here's the thing. If you look at his back record, the guy's done some pretty bad stuff. He tried to take over the universe. Well, actually, he built no. a Death Star. No, no, he no, didn't no, try no, to take no, over no. the universe. That was Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. He was just he was basically just doing his job, right? Um, but at the end, you just he had did to go to a woman who called you. If she's allowed to be blamed for her job. Vader's allowed to be blamed for it. Yeah, but Vader redeemed himself. Well, maybe Cole sent a woman did. We N- don't know. Not with me, she didn't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, if you're out there, Cole sent a woman, I, I am truly sorry. Uh, not. I'm Christopher Sabat, voice of Alex Louis Armstrong, the strong arm alchemist. And you're listening to The Geek Show, which has been passed down the Armstrong line for a generation or two. The Geek Show. The Geek Show. The yes. Geek Show. Thank you, Ben. Yes. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking about uh, journeys, the road, that sort of thing. And we're into movies. What is a road movie, anyway? They always talk about this thing called, yeah, it's the perfect road movie. And you're like, okay, uh, I don't quite get it. I know that there's a road there and i know there's people you know kind of traveling from here to there but what is is it the atmosphere is it the feel of it part of it's the feel part of it's the atmosphere like because the plot is interchangeable yeah in the way that like um paul is a road movie yeah it's about an extraterrestrial but it's still a road movie they're still yeah um they still they go on a journey they they meet people so is the important aspect the fact that they're on a journey or uh, partly, it depends. I, I guess, yeah. That you're going somewhere. That's the setup of the premise of the film, isn't it? You're going somewhere. Um, like, however, these people met. They've got a common objective to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. And uh, these people journey together for reasons. Okay. And they learn things about themselves that they didn't think they would. Okay. So I have a question then. Yep. How does Death Race 2000, which is classed as a road movie, fit into that? It's got roads, <laughs> and it's got an objective, which is to shake hands with the president using the live hand grenade, which is part of your hand, <laughs> to shake hands and thus assassinate the president. That's uh, that's the journey. So, so yeah, it's actually the goal is to get there and shake hands with the president. The trip could. So, <laughs> what did you learn um, on your journey? Uh, how many points pedestrians are worth? That's one thing yeah. you learned. Yes. Um, 
It's a long time since I've seen Death Race. <laughs> and I may have been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a blur. Yeah, I think I just no, That's a good description of the film. I think I just laughed at it most of the way through. I think uh, I think it was unintentional, but that's kind of what happened when I watched it as yeah. well. Um, what about something like Mad Max? Mad Max, like sort of post-apocalyptic situation, going to find things. I've never seen Mad Max. You I'm what? Sorry. You what? I've never, never seen, seen Mad, Mad Max. Max. Oh God damn it, Dave! Ben, have you seen Mad Max? <laughs> Don't tell Rob. Have you seen Mad Max? No, I have not. Oh. I I seen like secondhand references of Mad Max. <laughs> I've never Philistines. I've never directly looked into Mac, Ma- Mad Max. <laughs> Mad Max is a classic. Well, maybe not a Mad, maybe not a classic, but it is a cult <laughs> movie. Well, I know it's about like road warriors and. Uh... Well, no, that's Mad Max Two. Okay, okay. Mad Max uh, was basically uh, it's post-apocalyptic setting. Uh, Max is part of the police force. You know, he's got a wife, and they go off to see uh, see their relatives. And along the way, you know, uh, you know, uh, when they get there, they're all of a sudden attacked by a bunch of bandits um, who attack the farm that they're on. Um, his wife and kid are basically horribly, brutally murdered. And he goes off on one. Mm-hmm. And a friend of his in the police force has just has been working on a, a new car, you know, putting it together from scratch. It's got, like, hugely powerful engine, everything like that. And so he goes out. Uh, Mad Max is basically a revenge tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes out on a, uh, uh, for just for revenge against the on guy. A bloody journey. Yeah, it is revenge. literally. It is literally like that. But then you have Mad Max too, where you see Max a little bit older, and he's basically just—he's not actually going anywhere in particular. Mm-hmm. He's just—he's uh, just trying to survive in this wilderness, and he's got no sympathy or mercy for people. He's just out for himself. That's I it. see. You know, um, so he's almost became like the bandits from the first. Almost, yeah. And uh, Mad Max Two is more about uh, you know kind of coming back on himself. It's Mel Gibson, isn't it? It is Mel Gibson, but it was Mel Gibson when he was actually good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not not in the modern day, crazy Mel Gibson. In, in, no, no, he was in he was in the days before the Patriot uh, and Braveheart. Um, So yeah, um, sorry Mel, but it's true. Um, <laughs> Mel Gibson is, of course, an avid listener of the Geek Show. <laughs> yes. He yes. tunes in every week to uh, to hear our ramblings. He's now yeah. stood outside waiting to punch me. Um, <laughs> what did you say about my films? <laughs> yes. It's like they're playing, uh, planning with the um, phone lady. She's outside as well. Both gonna jump here. <laughs> what are the two of them best mates now? <laughs> yeah, yep. they bonded over a common, um... a common enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome was just oh god, my god, who whoever wrote that story deserves to be flogged. Um, it had nothing to do with roads or journeys or anything like that. I'll tell you when they were getting to the third one. I think they were like more. The first one did well. The second one did well. We can do another. We can do something else. Come up with something. We've got nothing. Make something up. Yes, and then throw in Tina Turner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a way to make everything better. Um, but yes, anyway. Um, so you got stuff like that. Easy Rider is kind of the uh, the the epitome of the road movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's basically um, bikers 
on uh, just on a kind of drug uh, drug and alcohol fueled bender traveling across America. Yeah, does that um, almost famous? Yeah, kind of similar sort of like it is. Uh, yeah, just on the road with a band. Yeah, it it, it is that kind of thing. It is uh, almost famous. Is also a road movie. In, you know, um, when you look at it from that angle, because um, the road movie doesn't have. To, uh, for me, it, for me, it seems like it doesn't actually. Ha- need to have a particular destination. No, but they they often do follow the same sort of tropes. Yeah. Even though the 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 destination's different, the the characters will be different, the, the situations they get into are always different, but yeah. there's certain certain things about like camaraderie and things like that yeah. that you get yeah. in a road movie that's that's sort of the feel of it that transfers across to pretty much any of them really. Yeah. Uh like Thelma and Louise isn't about where they're going. No, it's about the bond as people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah actually, I, that's a, a good point. A, a road movie is a lot more about the dynamics between the characters than it is the actual road. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there: best road movie, Lord of the Rings. No, it's totally a road movie. They're going. It, yeah, it is a road movie. <laughs> no, because then you're going to say the Hobbit is a road movie. No, not as much. <laughs> but, like, Fellowship of the Ring, that sort of set up, very road movie sort of set up. You know, you introduce yeah. the characters, they're going through different hurdles to get there. They, they 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 all go off on their own paths, but they'll meet up again at the end. It's a sort of, like, you know, that sort of... Uh... Oh, brother, where are they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a road movie. Yep. Um, okay, the, uh, that then begs the question, does a road movie actually need to have a road in it? It could have the open sea. Space. 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 I mean, if you're looking at... Okay, let, if you're talking about, say, TV shows, Enterprise and Voyager, as you said before, Dave. Yeah, uh, sort of charting a path through space to you. But also kind of getting to know each other. I mean, Voyager in particular, because the crew, in the very first two episodes, the crew of the uh, of, of Voyager changed dramatically, pretty much. Well, uh, they're, they're thrown together from two different crews, aren't they? Yeah, with two different uh, ideologies. And all the way through the series, they end up picking up people through the yeah. uncharted that end up being part of the crew Neelix uh, and uh, what's her face the uh, Seven of Nine the, Seven of Nine the and the one who uh, was there before Seven of Nine oh yeah the the one that ends up like transcending to another plane with her psychic powers yes yes I can't remember her name <laughs> but yeah she was involved with Neelix yes. for quite a bit so um Kez that was it oh and the Doctor I love the Doctor because he yeah. never has a name he's a hologram yeah. Oh yes, the, he's an emergency hologram. He's not meant to be used the, for that long. Yeah, it was never meant to be. Yeah, it was meant, <laughs> but obviously they don't have access to yeah. proper medical yeah. uh, help. So the emergency hologram's <laughs> been on for the entire journey. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like I said before, it's a lot more about the characters. Yeah. So, whether you're on a road or the ocean or the Spaceship. skies or the Airships. space. Um, Actually, it's thinking about, about the it, people, then in a sense, the uh, you know Star Wars Episode Four, New Hope. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. It... Well, get get the crew together in Millennium Falcon, and just like head off into space. Sort space, of. space, 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 space. Uh, so that is because you get a small group, and they keep expanding, so they can like they meet Han and. 
Chewie get their ship, they go into space, and they have all these shenanigans along the way, trying to get to the Death Star to blow it up. Shenanigans, you have to have shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yes, there has to be shenanigans. I think, ro- I think Road Trip kind of proved that shenanigans will happen. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Road Trip's like shenanigans from beginning to end, that's kind yeah. of the point. But uh, every every road movie needs needs some shenanigans. Yeah. Um, but then you got the other the darker road movies like The Hitcher, where uh, it's just basically you're just driving along happily, see someone by the side of the road, and you think, ah, I'll be I'll be the good Samaritan. I'll give I'll give them a lift, only to find out that they're a serial killer. Okay, I've never seen The Hitcher. So in my head, I'm just thinking of the mighty Boosh. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you, you won't think. Thumb, sir. You won't think. You won't think of the mighty Boosh after you watch the Hitcher. Now I'm imagining the Hitcher. Rutger Hauer at his best. But oh, I'm right. imagining shenanigans happening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've lost my machete in the car. Where's in a it way, gone? in a way, a road movie. Part of the reason you get away with shenanigans yeah. is because. Being on the road removes consequence. Yes. You're yes. never going to see these people again. You know that if you if you mess up a like a truck stop bathroom, yeah, yeah. you're never going to have to deal with that. Ultimate, you can continue on the ultimate road. road movie, if you look at it from that context, The Wizard of Oz. Yes. It's a road yeah. movie. She's never going to meet the, meet the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, or the Scarecrow again. Yeah. 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 And, you know, she kills the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the West. That's it. No consequence. <laughs> exactly. Know, exactly. It's like being, like, like... The, it's, it's like diplomatic lot, immunity. A lot of these are being on vacation, aren't they? A lot of yeah. road movies are about, like, sort of a vacation or a yeah. trip. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the And almost... she kills two people and she gets diplomatic immunity. <laughs> I, I have got the image of her just going home in the balloon. And then these guys come like, have you seen this woman? She's killed two people. Yeah. We need to stop her now. <laughs> yeah. The Oz police force. Well, she, she just flew off in that direction. She flew off? No, she didn't. She clicked the heels together and goes, there's no place oh, yeah. like home. Yeah. It's kind of a... It's a been vital, a while since... It's a vital it. plot point. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, um, so yeah, that, uh, I think the lack of consequence is the Wizard of Oz... Entirely, yeah. but yeah, in terms of like the, the like the teen ones, especially, yeah, yeah. You, you can get away with like doing whatever you want because you can drive off before anything happens, and that's kind of the point of a road movie. And the the main consequence is what happens to yourself. Yes. Oh, Maybe. that uh, Rain Man. I've never seen Rain Man. I'm aware of it. Um, Rain Man was a was a good one. It fits the road movie thing perfectly. Um, but National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, which one's Vacation? I've seen the most first of... one. Is that with the roll them up? Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes. Now you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I think that second one. Actually, no. That might be superior to The Wizard of Oz in terms of lack of consequences. <laughs> what happened to Chevy Chase? Um, Did you kill Chevy Chase? No, wasn't he doing like a? Uh, oh, what was it? He was doing some show, some TV show uh, in the last few years, but I can't remember. What oh, it was Community. Called. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Community happened. Now I know. <laughs> um, another good one for lack of consequence: planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's one of John Candy's best movies. 
And you can get so many cameos in a road movie. Cause yes, you can yeah. have yes, a, you can. You can have a character without any conte- uh, context. Just there, they've yeah. arrived here, this character has his little bit, and then gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, for example, Borat is essentially a road movie. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, he travels across America meeting people. Yeah. And uh, also making fools of them. Yes. <laughs> but there is a plot yes. in, <laughs> in it that he's got... Wasn't he, isn't he trying to find Pamela Anderson so he can marry her or something like that? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, it's mainly to make fools of people in America. But, I mean, I, the question was, does it need to have a rod in it? I think we pretty much answered that. No, it yeah. doesn't. But, okay, uh, Pick of the Geek, then. Um, actually, no, before we do Pick of the Geek, I've got to ask, is there a difference between, say, a race movie, then? And a road movie, something like Cannonball Run, Gumball Rally, that sort of thing. Do they count as road movies? It depends, because some of them have the same sort of hijinks and shenanigans and the the sort of small space and the small amount of people interacting yeah. and learning about each other. And so, and Jackie Chan cameos. Um, yeah. But I'd say it depends. Vital to a race movie. It depends. Like Something like Days of Thunder, definitely not. Yeah. Something like Cannonball Run, lines blurred. Yeah. See, I think it's a lot about... Um, the in stuff like Cannonball Run, they the winning was never the main focus of it. No, the winning was the main focus but of it. I, <laughs> that was the I, whole point of the race. In no, the that's what they were trying to do. But when you're looking at it, they weren't all like this is about winning. This is about winning. It was a lot about looking at the people and how they interact. Yeah, the random characters. Yeah, uh, with uh, Roger Moore playing himself. Of, I mean, even more so in, like, uh, Rat Race. Yeah. Where it was just, like, a, yeah. a motley cast of characters assembled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you've seen the film, it's assembled just so that rich men can bet on them. Yes. Yeah. None so, of them have any background as yeah. racers in any sort of way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just told there is a prize at this location. The first yeah. one there gets it. So I think it's a lot more, like... It gets more into the road movie. Yeah. When... It focuses more on characters than it does the race itself. And characters thrown together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, pick of the geek then. Your top three... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your top three road movies. Zombieland. Ah, he stole it. It's oh, <laughs> a good one. Good choice. It is. Zombie Apocalypse <coughs> trying to... Um, I forget what the name of the place they were trying to get to was. It was... The fair place, wasn't it? The theme park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not Coney Island, is it? It's, no. Uh, I forgot. I've seen it recently as well. I don't know why I can't remember <laughs> things. But Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. He, he made that movie yeah. for me. Oh, no. The rules were what made the movie for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially the whole run in a circle. Oh, I dropped my keys. Oh, you have to run in a circle again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Never like, investigate the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always remember the double yeah, it's like tap. Cardio, double tap, buckle yeah. up. Always check the bathrooms. Yeah, and I, I like the fact it ended with him breaking the one major rule of never be a hero. Yeah, and I was like, no, you have to be the hero because what's the point uh, in life unless you are? It's not a road movie, but it's about uh, a journey. I'd say World's End. It's brilliant. It's about yeah. a pub crawl. <laughs> yep. Well, again, it's... It's fitting. a small cast of characters. Uh, yeah. um, they're in a... They're, 
they're in a town that they grew up in, but it's not where they live. So the, yeah. the, the consequences kind of removed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, bizarre situations happen to them while they're on their journey. There we are. That World's End is, is a pub crawl movie. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, any others for you guys before I choose my three? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the not the recent Muppets film, but the Muppets film before that. Okay. Uh, the one. Uh, it's a road trip that starts off with uh, Marshall from uh, How I Met Your Mother <laughs> yes. and his Muppet brother uh, journeying to the studio. You know about the one from 2011? Yeah, yeah. The it's, it's just called the Muppet Movie, which makes it hard to describe yeah yeah just say muppets from 2011 yeah i didn't know what year it was from but um but yeah then they have to go on a road trip to assemble the old gang and save the studio bring the gang back together and they find like all of the characters in various places like uh uh gonzo is now a professional businessman yes well <laughs> not for long <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> He quickly puts, pushes a self-destruct button when the offer of adventure is open on the table <coughs> yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, any others? Uh, ben? I'd, any for you? He's mentioned before, but Star Wars is an awesome movie. And, like, it's always stuck with me. I'm not sure if it's classed as a road movie. I class it as one, so I'm going to stick it in there and say it's one of my favourite movies ever. <laughs> so... Why not one of my favourite road movies? It's going to fit into every category. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if it classes as a documentary, but my favourite documentary is Star Wars. Well, it technically is a historical <laughs> documentary, isn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. set a long, long time ago. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay, um, I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm going to go for a few. Uh, I've got to say Thelma and Louise. Yes. Okay. I do like that film. And yes, it, okay, I understand the whole feminist vibe it's got going and everything like that. But it's still, uh, if you ignore all of that kind of uh, party political broadcast stuff... I don't ignore feminism. It's a thing. Uh, I know it's a thing, it, but if like, you take all of that... is something we should strive for, so, you know... Well, uh, uh, it's we'll, a different time, different de- Different debate entirely. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying is, if you ignore all the kind of party political broadcast stuff from Thelma and Louise, mm-hmm. um, what's there is a solid... You know, it's a very good story about two women who just want to get away. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it's uh, they're just normal people who just want normal lives. And The Simpsons did a brilliant remake. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, a very odd one, and you guys haven't seen it, but it is another great road movie, uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I don't know why I haven't seen it. I should see it. It's uh, it looks it's fabulous. Hila- it, it's it is. Fabulous in every sense of the word, and it is hilarious as well. Because I've seen like clips of the stage show, and uh, yeah. Well, I, let me, I, I let me put it this way: it was so good and so popular that Hollywood tried to do a re- tried to do their own version of Priscilla called yeah. Tu Wong Fu, and it had Patrick Swayze and um, what's his face, guy who played Blade, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes in drag. <laughs> I need to see Wesley Snipes Patrick on drag. Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes in drag. Uh, br- bring up Wesley Snipes in drag. I need to see this. <laughs> I will during the next song. But uh, <laughs> yes, um, Priscilla is still uh, is still the queen of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know the advert for Sheila's Wheels. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, very much a Priscilla fair, Queen of the Desert kind of vibe to that advert. Um, and I'm going to have to go with, uh, 
I don't know. I'm stuck. I'm torn between. Oh, actually, no, I did. Uh, uh, I remember this. This is a sci-fi movie from like the 1970s, and I absolutely love this film. Uh, it's called A Boy and His Dog. All oh, right, I've never seen. Um, I know that it's very hard to find these days, but I have, and you didn't hear this from me. There is a copy of it on YouTube that you can watch. Piracy <laughs> <laughs> is killing the film industry. <laughs> You can't get it on DVD, please. Arrow, Eureka, whoever, uh, anyone, put this on DVD and I will buy it. Do what you want because a pirate is free. It's 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 such a great movie. It's basically a post-apocalyptic setting. You know, uh, the world has turned into anarchy. You've got all sorts of weird stuff going on. And going just traveling across this world, just, uh, just heading to no particular destination, are a boy and his telepathic dog. Okay, awesome. <laughs> right, and it's the ending to that movie that that got me. The, up until then, the movie kind of it kind of ums and ahs and ums and ahs around, you know, teetering around the mm-hmm. edge of being good. But then the ending happens, and you just think, "All right, that was fantastic." Just it's, has one of those moments well, that concretes it. For yeah. Me. For for my final pick, because I've given you two mm-hmm. for my final pick, I'm going to go with the first one I mentioned again, which is Paul. Yeah. Because it's it's not Edgar Wright, but. It's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and yeah. uh, is it Seth Rogen, the yeah. voice of the alien? They work well together. It's a nice little group. And yeah. uh, what's his face from uh... Paul Rudd? No, 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 from Arrested Development. Yes. Uh, oh. You know who I'm on about? Patrick Bateman, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. That's it. Yeah. yeah, he was really good in it as well. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, Sigourney Weaver was fantastic as he, always. He initially seems like he's an antagonist. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it works. And just out. when he goes off on one as well. Yeah, yeah, I did like. Seemed like all the anger from Arrested Development came but out in Paul with the the, the journey and the personal growth yeah. thing. Paul actually ends on a really nice note in yeah. that these these guys were directionless before this journey. Yeah, tons of stuff happened to them on the way, and also the uh, the girl they pick up on the way. Yeah, goes uh, from being uh, yeah yeah. So everyone like everybody wins. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good feel good movie. Hello. I'm Professor Elemental, and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick, I'm listening to The Geek Show, and my God, I love it. Come with us now on a journey through time and space. Yes. This is a journey beyond sight and sound. Well, mostly sound. Yes, mostly sound. Mostly sound. Uh, Oh, I keep forgetting you guys are so young you don't remember that. No, sorry. I don't recognise that. You're buzzing, Dave. (laughs) Yes, popular, I it's, guess. It's the Dave buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> You're done, Dave. You're done. Just stop. It's like a joy buzzer, only shaped like Dave. <sighs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Next topic. Yes, we're in the game section. What's the difference between travelling in a game and taking a journey? Well, travelling in a game is a methodical thing. You go from A to B, and... A lot of the times, there's a lot of things that expedite that. Yeah. Whereas I'd say taking a journey is taking in all the all the stuff that happens on the way. Mm. Um, whether that's something like, I even I think even the most mundane form of traveling in uh, Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker yeah. becomes more of a journey because it's a long way between the destinations, and there's a lot of like little things on the way that you uh, you get distracted by. It fleshes the world out a little bit. And uh, you aren't just going from there to there. You, you'll end up meandering. You'll end up doing other things. And Yeah, uh, exploring. Yeah. 
Because um, Ben and I were talking about Skyrim before. Yeah. Um, because for some reason, Ben got all the beggars and I got all the bandits. <laughs> um, it was literally everybody, every, everybody I was running into as I was heading from A to B just kept trying to attack me and rob me. Mm-hmm. So I had to kill them. I met people come up and ask if I could give them money. <laughs> I was like, hell no, I'm poor as hell. Do you think this there's a ju- system built into the game that uh, <laughs> that knows the type of player you are? This is just like real life. <laughs> Here, mate, can I have a quid for some chips? That's <laughs> what the beggars should say yeah. in, uh, in Skyrim. Uh, 20p. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. That, that's coming in the next update. It's the, um, <laughs> the Middlesbrough update. Yeah. Got a lighter. <laughs> It's also oh, is that is that the one that includes the new armor? The one that's the one where the uh, you know the bottoms are tucked into your socks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I think. And the rings are like big sovereigns. <laughs> I think um, Skyrim's a good um, game to show what the difference between traveling and journeying is. Yeah. Because if your objective says go from here to here, you could go from yeah. here to here, no problem. But there's a cave over there. Yeah. Oh, I could go to that cave. I'm going to go to that cave. Oh, there's an awesome thing in here. I have to kill a load of bears. Yeah, and I just found this knife of illusions. That, that, I think that's a... Illusions. I, I think that's a, that's a huge thing, because games that allow you to explore, you know, it, it feels a lot more like taking a journey, but games where you, it, it's very methodical, uh, you know, the tall travelling thing is very linear. Um... I'd say there are games that have got a very linear plot that are very much like a, a road story. Fallout? Um, Fallout's sort of linear. The plot is. I yeah. guess it's got a lot of exploration in as well. Yeah. Um, I was going to say more like um, uh, more like Final Fantasy X. The yeah. plot is linear. You're going somewhere. But it's like it's very much like a road story in that, like, uh, a motley band of characters is thrown together and they've got a definite destination. They know where they're going. Yeah. But And then they learn things about each other on the way. And yeah. See, uh, they, they have, like, little, like, interactions around campfires. Yeah. They, like, they, they end up learning things about each other. They end up forming bonds they didn't think they would. Yeah. And uh, stuff like that. Like, it seems very much like if it was made into a film, it would be very much about... The journey. In fact, the first scene of the game, uh, and the one that's on the title screen, if you press nothing, shows them at the conclusion of what they think of what they think is the conclusion of their journey. Yeah, yeah. it shows them at the penultimate point where you, where they're showing the. the well, you're not spoiling before... anything by saying it's Zanakand. Yeah, that's where he was. That's... God damn it! You. <sighs> No, you'll spoilers. You'll know it's not within, a spoiler. You'll know within the first five minutes of the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's they're, not a spoiler. They tell you two things. Titus is from Zanakand. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been ripped out of his home and ends up this place he doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Una is a summoner, and the summoner's final destination on their pilgrimage, so a pilgrimage journey, yeah. is Zanakand. Yeah. Yeah. So the they both have a common objective that like we should go to Zanakand. Yeah. Oh. Interesting one, um, now that you mention it, Enslaved, because it's taken Journey from to Journey West. to the West. Yeah. And uh, Journey to the West is a road story. Yeah. You know. Um, well, it's all about the uh, the, the monk on, a, on I, I was going to say her pilgrimage, but it's, his, she's, it's always played by a woman. Yeah, it's always the, played by a woman, but it is actually supposed to be a man, Tripitaka. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, with, and, and, and uh, meet, Son Goku, the Monkey King. Um, I've forgotten his name. But then they, they end up meeting like the, the characters that they meet are initially a bit antagonistic when they first meet them. Like well, the, so, uh, in in the TV series, yeah. they had Sandy and Pigsy. Yeah, um, but only Pigsy made it into uh, Enslaved. Ah, oh, right. Which was a shame, but because uh, I would have liked to have seen Sandy. But yeah, I, I think Enslaved is a great game and very very underrated. Yeah, uh, I think they went for a lot and. Unfortunately, I think it was in the time where the mid tier of games was kind of dying. Mm. In that, like indie was going well, AAA was going well, but like that mid tier, yeah, yeah. was kind of dying off. Things like yeah. Darksiders, uh, yeah, it was. Darksiders Dark- again was a great game. It was Darksiders two, not so much. Uh, I know. I, I don't know. Wrath I like is very much a Asura's Wrath of Revenge. It, yeah, um, it, it, it's it's weird because uh, I thought that. I thought they ne- they got the character of Monkey down perfectly mm-hmm. in yeah. Enslaved, you know, especially when he uh, when, when he brings out his cloud, and uh, Trip says, uh, "What's that?" He goes, "It's cloud." <laughs> and he's like, "It doesn't look like cloud." He goes, "No, it's cloud. That's cloud. That's what clouds look like." like <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dave just pointed to his hair for you who can't see him. Yeah. Uh, today I've almost gone full crowd cloud strife with my hair. Yeah, yeah, he has almost, almost. It's getting there. Well, a lot of RPGs are about the the quest, the journey. Yeah. Um, okay, so where do quests fit in then into this whole journey mechanic? They are often they are the um, the goal, and or the trigger. Yeah, or the trigger, but really to unite a group of characters, they need to have a common goal. Yeah. That goal can change, yeah. But that's what's united them in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Chrono Trigger is a great road story. In oh, the Chrono Trigger is definitely a great road story. Yeah. The the visits different times, different yeah. places. You learn so much about the characters. They each have their own individuals, like side quests that that teach you a little well, bit Final more Fantasy about that. Well, Final Fantasy VI was like that as well. Oh yeah, and definitely. I mean, you get like a lot more so. I felt than say seven, or eight, or nine. Well, seven. Okay, yeah. Um, I'd say six and seven. There's a lot more character-based uh, progression as you go through the game. Yeah, I think the majority of it went on six though, because seven got too bogged down in the whole kind of CG graphic type stuff. I think eight did more so because eight did more so. If, don't get me unless wrong. Unless you unless you squalor I know you get no character development in eight. <laughs> this is true. And even those get very like. Very yeah. cookie cutter, yeah, kind of stuff. But, but that's why I'm saying I think most of it went on six, and then when they switched over to CG, it kind of got bogged down in semantics, mm-hmm. and you know. Well, yeah, but uh, I did really enjoy- seven was the first Final Fantasy game I played, but six yeah. is definitely one of the best ones. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like the feeling in an RPG once you get that airship and you can go where you want. Yeah, yeah. And uh, six and seven both have a very cool thing on your airship that you can visit all of the characters living in the airship once yeah. you've obtained it. They all have little quarters. Yeah. You can interact with them. They'll be in the same sort of place. And that that was one of the cool things about it. Yeah. So that's almost like like being on the Millennium Falcon. You know yeah. that you'd expect to see like uh, Han and Chewie chilling in uh, in the quarters if they're not piloting that sort of thing. To, to be, do you know, and I, I know that this is spo- it's a game that's supposed to be in the cupboard, right, for uh, for me. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're supposed to put it back in the cupboard so I can never mention it again because it is part of the drinking game. But uh, Shadow Hearts, 
especially Shadow Hearts, uh, Shadow Hearts Covenant, the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's okay. Uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a little bit of a spoiler here. Um, so if you've never played the uh, original Shadow Hearts game, you know you can stop listening now. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but basically, your character Yuri, he's possessed by uh, demons, and they're tearing his soul apart. But he can also transform into them mm-hmm. um, through the power of malice and all those evil things. And he meets a girl on a train called Alice, and he she is being hunted by a guy called Albert Simon, who is basically the big bad in that game. And Yuri has to fight Al- Albert Simon to save Alice. And the ending, I'll tell you what, in terms of sad game endings, Shadow Hearts is right up there in my top five in terms of sad game endings. Um, Shadow Hearts 2 starts off with Yuri and he's just waiting to die. Mm-hmm. Right, He's got no actual future. He doesn't believe in anything anymore and he's waiting to die. So that was the spoiler. You can kind of infer from there. Yeah. But he gets taken uh, on a journey because uh, something like the Second World War is happening and the world has been plunged into chaos. Um, by, and Rasputin is rising in Russia and it turns out that Albert Simon wasn't actually the bad guy. It has one of the biggest kind of uh, twists in uh, that I've seen in an RPG and sequel. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just thought uh, as a road trip kind of game. Yeah. Um, have you played Brutal Legend? Yes. Yes. Get your car, customize yeah. it. Um, you you're exploring a new world you've never been before. Yeah. Uh, you you gather a band as you go, and yeah, it's well, very road trip. That was that was the thing about the Shadow Hearts Covenant because you got a you got different characters joining your group over time, but. There was a lot of emphasis on those characters. It wasn't just Yuri, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and his gang against the world. It was all of them together against, you know, against what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it had the whole, you know, you've beaten what you th- uh, you've beaten the big bad. Where do you go from here? Uh, actually, he wasn't the big bad. Oh well, that's just the disc one final boss thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, like, oh, actually, we no. built everything up to this point, but no, no, he was the big bad. He was he was the big bad up to that point, and you think everything is safe, only to find out that uh, someone else has been using you mm-hmm. in order yeah, to do this. That's what I mean. Disc one final boss. It's a bit of a bit of a trope, but basically, like, but it's you, done well. Yeah, when it's done well, it works. Oh, when oh, when yeah. I say trope, I don't always mean that it's yeah. like it. It's not the same as cliche, yeah. Because yeah. it's just a situation that occurs. It, execution can be brilliant, yeah. It, but it is. Yeah, yeah, as, as a, a convention, yeah, in a way that, like, yes, often that like you can have a brilliant build up to what to de- to defeating what you think is the big bad. Like, um, for example, another game that's a great quest journey is um, yeah. Tales of Symphonia. Yes, and you you actually Tales the, of Zillia is up there as well. For the main portion of the the first disc of Tales of Symphonia, you are journeying towards this tower to save your world. Yeah. Yes, and. Until you get there, you don't realise what the consequences of doing that are. Yeah. yeah. So, and it builds up, and what you think is the big bad is not the big bad. What you think is the, exactly the, the same thing happens in Tales of Zillia. Yeah. yeah, exactly the same thing happens. Actually, it's a kind of a convention with all the Tales games. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's where it was originally born from. When you get right down to yeah. it, yeah. 
Um, but there's, I mean, there's loads of RPGs like that. Okay, uh, how does freedom of choice then fit in with this whole idea of a road story? Can, can there be freedom of choice? Can you can you be free to explore? You can. It's difficult because to tell to tell a nice journey story, it a certain degree of linearity has to be there. Yeah, but because you can't. Uh, like unfortunately in games they can't model and have content for every road you could possibly take yeah so i think to tell a good road story you need a little bit of linearity yeah Yeah. i think you can end up at different situations or you can end up at a different like conclusion but i think that some some sort of driving force needs to keep you down a a path for you to experience something like that see uh, one of the best ways i've seen that makes you feel like you've got choice while keeping it linear is you have a certain set of things you have to do to carry on mm-hmm. go do them yeah. as you feel you have to mm-hmm. it's like um, I'm thinking Mass Effect 2 that it's really good roads game Yeah. Um, it goes here is a load of people that you could go get and they will help you on your mission yeah you can go to any of them, or you could ignore them because we've heard about a thing over here. You could go do the thing over here. Yeah, like you, no matter what's going to happen, you're going to end up checking the thing over here. You're going to end up getting so well, many characters, but in a it's way, it's your choice. I mentioned yeah. Chrono Trigger. In a way, the entire game is side quests because you can finish the game at any point. Yes, this oh, is true. Really? Once you've unlocked the um, like the central hub where you can access the timeways, yeah. which is fairly early on in the game, you uh, you have access to the day of Lavos, like the final day. Yeah, yeah. So you could actually finish the game at any point. The rest of it is just fleshing it out with side quests and yeah. developing your characters <coughs> and learning about them and stuff. Yeah. So really, as I said, you can finish it any time you want. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, pick of the geek then before we take another break because we've got some reviews coming up. And also stay tuned for our competition announcement today. We have a, we have a good one. Um, but yes, pick of the geek. Your top three kind of road style games then? Journey. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what I kind of like about it is um, the if you've, um, if you've played it either with someone who's played it before or you've yeah. played it before... I like the the way that players do actually help each other and guide yeah, a little bit. Exactly. And uh, Ben's going it? to be able to experience yeah, I've just that now. Borrowed the game, so ah right. I've given him. Uh, I've given him our copy and of Collector's know, Edition. You know about the scarf and things yeah. like that. So I'm not going to uh, go into too much detail. So you, but if you're going to experience it yourself, experience yeah. it yourself because you should, and it's a good game, and you should play it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Dreamfall: The Longest Journey. <laughs> Have you just looked up? No, with journey in the title. No, I've got Dreamfall: The Longest Journey, <laughs> and the irony is the lead character in Dreamfall actually looks like one of my best friends, uh, who's also called Zoe. Ah, cool. You know, it was it was totally weird because I'd never played Dreamfall before uh, until she went to Hong Kong, and mm. then I picked up Dreamfall: The Longest Journey, the special edition. Looked at the front cover, I thought, oh, that looks familiar. Wonder, uh, found out the character's called Zoe. Sent her a picture of the character. <laughs> she went, "That's me." <laughs> Your so, fr- yeah. friend's image and name has been stolen for a yes, game. Yes, I know. I was like, 
totally weird. Is but this yeah. like Ellen Page in The Last of Us? Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only the less famous version. Um, yeah. uh, much less famous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Dreamfall, The Longest Journey. It's it's a brilliant story. It's a really fascinating story. Um, I'm going to go with The Last of Us. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> it's a great game. It's full of emotion. Yeah. Start off with a grumpy old man that has to um, escort a young girl through um, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And you get to learn about these characters, their interactions, their past, and it just, it's a great experience. Yeah. And you get to see the highs and the lows, and it's just a lot of fun. Cool. Um, I'm going to say Final Fantasy 6, 7, and 10. Okay. Uh, not so much any of the others. Yeah. Maybe four. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, um, you're going with that. I'm going to say, if you're going with Final Fantasy 6, 7, and 10, I'm going to say Grandia 1 and 2. Ah, nice. Uh, 2 in particular, because 2 was hilarious. Um, the the lead character from 2 was just, he was so bad-tempered and sarcastic, it was just so refreshing to see a lead character who was just, he just didn't actually care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just kind of... Look, why are you coming to me? I don't look. You want someone to save the world? Just look. These there's a bunch of heroes over here. Why not ask them? Why are you asking me? Leave me alone. And uh, for my third one, I'm going to choose a game that's always a journey, always a personal journey. You meet people along the way. You meet friends. You meet character uh, things that will help you. Pokemon every time God is a journey. It. Yes. Um, okay, I'm going to go with The Walking Dead then. Okay. Yeah. The Telltale <laughs> Games version. Yeah. It's basically the same storyline as um, Last of Us, really, isn't it? Not really. Well, it's same sort of setup. Uh, if you think that, have you played The Walking Dead? Yeah. Right. Uh, have you played episode, season two yet? Not yet. Yeah. It's <laughs> not the same storyline at all. It's the same original setup of old man with young girl. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it is, but the way it reaches its end, the way. Oh yeah, it's very the different way it, as it progresses. Yeah. yeah. But. Um and your uh, your lead characters, your lead males, both have very different mindsets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, we are going to take uh, a break. Just quickly. All oh, right. Sorry. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with um Mass Effect. I said it before, but it's class. Go yeah. across the galaxy finding badass people, so you can go save human race. Dude, do you awesome. know what I just thought would be amazing? What? Right. Mass Effect. In the game done in the Mass Effect style. Of Red Dwarf. Oh, yes. Boom. That would Dog. be great. Would yeah, be. I, w- I, I would happily play that. I'm Susan Arndt, and you're listening to The Geek Show, because you have excellent taste. Those guys have also seen Wesley Snipes in drag. It was a beautiful experience. <laughs> I feel enlightened. <coughs> We've ascended to a higher plane. <laughs> Yes, um, we've got a couple, of, a couple of reviews, and both of them are for Invisibles. Invisibles? Yes, Invisibles. That's an uh, augmented reality PSP game. Only this time, it's on the PS Vita. Uh, there's two games that came out on the same day. Yeah. One for the PS Vita, one for the PS3. Uh, the uh, Lost Kingdom was for the uh, PS3, and Alliances was for the PS Vita. Yeah. So I'll start off with Lost Kingdom first, right? Um, on the PS3, it's it's an invisible game without the augmented reality. And so... Uh, it. 
it kind of loses a bit of the magic because yeah, of that. Isn't that the whole point of the game? Yeah, it is. Um, but it's still an enjoyable game to play, um, especially if you're a kid. Okay, it's it, adults and experienced gamers will have issues with this game. Okay, obviously, because it's not a game designed for adults or experienced gamers. So if you are an adult or, and an ex- or, or an experienced gamer, or both, you know, and you decide to pick this game up, and you don't think much of it, just remember, before you give it a mark, it's not designed for you. Right? It's designed for kids. Yeah. And as far as kids go, they, they, there's a lot to enjoy in this game for kids. Um, it's, you know, graphically, it's big, it's brash, it's colourful, it's got a certain style about it, and the, you know, in it pl- it's very easy to pick up and play as well. Um, you play a kid called Hero who travels to the world of Invisibles, only you find that there's something wrong in that world, and so he borrows the power of Ocelotl first, and then Minotaur, and then a few other Invisibles as the game progresses, and you start finding out more and more of what's going on and what these metal invisibles are. And so you start trying to save the world of the invisibles and building the human alliance with the invisibles, that sort of thing, right? And there's a lot... There's combat, uh, you know, very basic type of combat. There's uh, lots of exploration, uh, lots of these little Zed uh, balls and other balls to pick up. And you can buy... You can. But thing is, you, you can use them to upgrade your skills, various things like that. Yeah. But here's the key thing, right? And I don't know why it does this, but it does. Invisimals plays a lot like God of War, <laughs> right? It's like God of War for kids. One of the things I couldn't... Uh, the Lost Kingdoms, anyway, right? Yeah. It plays a lot like God of War. And I, when it, uh, while I was playing it, I couldn't help but kind of, you know... It was reminding me so much of God of War that I was wishing I had, like, the Chaos Blades or, uh, and things like that. Yeah. You know, at certain times. So it's just kind of... You know, what would Kratos do? Um, it's not God of War, but it plays a lot like it. Even the skill system works a bit like God of War as well, right? Um, but it's not. And I can kind of understand why the game has been made in that in the way it has been made. It's a very... Uh, people are thinking that it's supposed to be like a feeder game for the God of War titles or for more mature titles. I don't see it like that at all. I think it's just the most efficient way of approaching this particular type of game yeah. and putting it together in a way that kids would actually be able to understand and deal with. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I think it's just purely that. I think any those similarities are purely coincidental. I don't think it's been intentional at all. It's just the most efficient method, the most efficient approach. Um, anyway, The Lost Kingdoms, it's, it's an interesting game to play, um, but it's a lot more fun if you are seven, seven years old. You know, um, there is some depth to the game, but if you're an, if you are an adult and you are an experienced gamer, then you're not going to get much mileage out of this. But if you are, if you have kids, and they have a PS3 and they're about seven years old, then get it for them because there'll be hours of enjoyment for them. So it's good for its target audience. It's good for its target yeah. audience. You know, it's a solid game. Okay, it's not uh, Lost Kingdoms. Isn't you know, it's not got the augmented reality side to it, but it doesn't really need it. I mean, you have a battle mode in there where you can fight other invisibles. Not but many most of it. it can... Most of it is about the story in the mm-hmm. Lost Kingdoms. It's not exactly like you can implement <coughs> it easily unless everyone has one of the 
cameras yeah. and stuff. So, yes. Anyway, moving on to alliances. We had fun watching you play this earlier. Yeah, I know. I was playing this earlier <laughs> here at the station. I may have took a quick video of him failing. At yes. This. Yes, at a game for kids, I failed. I will freely admit it that I did fail. Wasn't it basically a jigsaw type puzzle that you failed at? Yes, it's because it's because it's a bit tricky to control the uh, control. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. okay. I had a lot more fun watching him run around the office trying to find the right shade of. Red. I was going to get that uh, get to that <laughs> in a, in a minute as well. Right. Oh, uh, as you can probably tell from the comments that they're making, the uh, Invisimals alliances uh, alliances has the augmented reality function in full force. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike other types of AR games, right, you get like six AR cards with the Vita, and unlike other augmented, augmented reality games or attempts at un- augmented reality, it actually works with Invisimals, and it works quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, although you do look like a complete hmm, tool uh, <laughs> running around... <laughs> <laughs> trying to find the right shade of red or the right kind of patination for this for this or trying to you know focus on the floor or the ceiling or a light source or various things yeah. like that just trying to find these invisible creatures and then you have to use your AR card to capture these things now if you've got pokemon black and white there yes. was a poker radar i believe it was called yes. where you had to find pokemon within the room yes and you did have to do the same sort of thing yes holding the the handheld up in various angles trying to catch the things yes and uh yeah it was it was very much the same as that when i was watching you uh attempt these things yeah um also within uh, invisibles alliances you get to build what I, i would call it your your home base you get to build your base so you get to build like a gate into the world in the world of the invisibles a battle arena, stuff like that. But when you build them, you have to focus on the AR card and you have to put the pieces together like a puzzle. Only problem is, it's a bit tricky because if you focus on one particular thing and then you have to use the rear touchpad on the back of the Vita to manipulate it, to turn it round, and then you tap the front to put it into its position. Right, okay. Which is one of the reasons... Ah, the reasons and not it, many games use the rear touchpad that, yeah. that much. Um, you it's do have really to use it. really good things like Tearaway, but... Yeah. Like, you, it, the thing is, I, I think it's because... I think part of the problem is because... Um, is because where, if you have your AR cards together... Yeah. Right? Then, then it's going to get a bit confused with the, what, the amount of information it's taking in. So when you use that, keep just use the one AR card. Right, do them one by one. Yeah, tip from me. Um, the other thing I think um, that uh, was causing a little bit of the problem is the amount of light that you have in your room, because yeah. that's yeah. going to get picked up on as well. Um, that's going to really affect uh, how how successful your capture yeah. of a, a augmented reality is. Um, but anyway. The rear touchpad is used a lot in this. Um, you also use it when you're capturing invisibles, right? The first invisible that you will capture is a griffin. Um, I haven't come to the bad part of both games Did yet. Did you uh, name it Peter? No, I haven't named it Peter. Oh. Um, anyway. The griffin, uh, the griffin and all the other invisibles you capture after that, Right. They all kind of captured in the same way. You focus on, you find it in uh, in whatever environment. You basically hold up the Vita two different uh, angles and find it wherever you are. 
then you have to capture it. You focus on an AR card. It appears on there. You avoid its attacks. And whenever it attacks you, you tap the rear touchpad to splat their head against the screen. It's like crushing a bug. <laughs> um, and you do that like a few times, uh, depending on how strong the invisible is. Yeah. Then you capture it. And then you can use it to fight other invisibles mm-hmm. in your battle arena after you've built that and not failed to build it. <laughs> right? We come to the bad part now, though, because the good part is that if it's... Uh, although I would be hesitant to trust a seven-year-old with my Vita, right? I can see the advantages to it, and I can see the amount of fun they'll have with the augmented reality. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's basically... It, it's a perfect game uh, if, they, you know, if they're not into Pokemon, but they want something Pokemon-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the perfect game for that sort of thing. Um... But now we come to the bad part. And the bad part... Uh, okay. The other good part is that both Lost Kingdoms and Alliances have voiceovers by Brian Blessed. Gordon's alive! No, no. Goody! <laughs> um, it is. Yes. That just makes everything great. Uh, no, it doesn't. Because there is a bad side to it. And the bad side is the live-action cutscenes. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Ben, you say it makes everything great. Uh, Brian Blessed was in Star Wars Episode One. Yep, and that was the great part of the. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Everything right. else just yeah. brought that down. Yes, I know. Uh, if he was playing Voltan in Episode One, then I would have been. I would have <laughs> been fine with that. You know, if yep. there was a bit of Flash Gordon in there. But uh, anyway, I would have um, loved it if he was playing um, Obi Wan Kenobi. It would have been amazing. Nah. Um, anyway, the live action cutscenes. Yeah, <laughs> have to be seen to be believed. I, what was it you called it, Dave? CITV level of acting. Yeah, yeah. It does seem like very, uh, very kids TV kind of. Um, I mean, that's the audience they're going for. Yeah, but very excitable young, uh, young people. A little bit offline at times. You could tell that they were. Oh, it's the Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that? The I best am very you got? happy yes. for this. And also, they have an insistence in, on using like Japanese nomenclature yeah. um, for certain characters, and they, you know, uh, it, it just it, it kind of grates on my ears when they mispronounce people's names. Mm-hmm. You can you hear know. it, hear them sounding it out in their head. Yeah, you, it's that kind of thing. Um, that's the main downside to it. If you're a kid, you you won't even notice it. But as an adult, and also, you know, uh, as somebody who knows how it's supposed to sound, it kind of, oh, it's not as bad as the whole San and Kun thing, though. I will give them that. They didn't do that, thankfully. Thank you for not doing that. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. But overall, solid games for kids, right? Adults may not enjoy them, although the augmented reality bit is fun if you're an adult, but, you know, for a short time before you start feeling some self-conscious and embarrassed, and please don't do it in public. <laughs> um, <laughs> as long as you don't have I'd, me and Ben watching I'd, you, it's all right. I'd yeah, tell you I know. True, if you did have a, di- a giant grin on your face as you ran around looking for reds earlier. So. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it, it's it's fun for a short while, but then you start becoming self-conscious and embarrassed. <laughs> and yeah, thinking, you, you who's watching me? Really happy, turns around, and I'm there. And yeah. suddenly it's like... Oh, serious gone. face, serious <laughs> face. <laughs> this is Sunny Straight. The voice of many of the voices that you grew up on. Yes, I raised all of you ungrateful bastards. And you're listening to The Geek Show. Kami hummy hum, bitches. 
We're talking journeys and the road today. Um, the road again. Yes. We are almost at the end of our journey. We've got about 20 minutes left. But we are talking animation and graphic literature. Right, adventures. Adventures are pretty common in cartoons and anime. But yeah, do they actually count as road stories? Uh, yes. Especially if you want to be King of Pirates. Yeah, but what about others? <laughs> what? What about the other? Uh, what about the others? I will agree wholeheartedly that One Piece has a lot of the elements of the road in there. Okay, yeah. uh, I won't. I won't ever dispute that because I'm a fan of One Piece as well, and it's got loads of stuff like that in there. But what about other adventures? Um, what about the whole uh, the ones that are more like you know we have to you know just we're on a quest to save the world and you know all those game adaptations and. All those weird high school manga adaptations where they suddenly develop superpowers and or have giant robots. Well, despite I know your feelings on on High School of the Dead, but that's very much a road trip kind of situation. No, it isn't. What is? No, it isn't. Well, it's a post-apocalyptic road trip. No, it isn't. How just, is just, it not? Just because you don't like it doesn't exactly, mean it exactly. Can't <laughs> Ben's picked up a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That is completely a road trip. I'm like, denying its existence. You can't deny its existence. Yeah, it's uh, those. Its two, existence uh, will co- uh, continue to bounce in your face, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. At a jet plane velocity. <laughs> I object to that jiggling. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I might not object as strenuously if they could do the truffle shuffle, but they can't. <laughs> so, um, oh, have you heard? They're actually thinking about doing a sequel to The Goonies. Ah, no, I haven't. I don't, why would Yeah, I was like, really? Why? <laughs> They're all, like, adults and old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, that, that trend, Goonies so. never yeah. say die, but they can say hip replacement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, do the um, truffle shuffle. I can't. My doctor says my hip needs to relax. <laughs> yeah. oh. Sorry, that train has sailed. Yeah, <laughs> um, I saw what you did there. One piece reference. So, um, um. <laughs> I think there are things that are journeys and adventures can happen on journeys. But there's a lot that will stay in the same place and just have adventures and then come back. I mean, there are reasons for that. I mean, one of the reasons is a lot of money to develop multiple yeah. backgrounds if you have like reoccurring things that yeah. you're going to reuse all the time as in like the simpsons family guy they they might have journeys but they reuse the same backgrounds yeah. over and over again but i would say you mentioned journey for the west journey, journey to, the, to the, west, the, yeah. the west the most famous manga based off journey to the west is of course dragon ball yeah which very much the same sort of journey sort of uh road movie kind of uh, structure in that yeah, um, yeah. In, in a way Bulma is Triptakata Triptakata yeah because yeah. she has she has the quest and Goku's like yeah Goku is Son Goku yeah uh, Son Wukong he's it's the same character yeah he has the cloud he has the stick yeah and he's yeah. following her and uh, basically acting as a bodyguard yeah well I mean the thing is uh, in animation in anime in particular they have actually proven that I mean okay let's let's start off with western animation first they have actually proven they can do something road-esque mm-hmm. in western animation um and I'm not talking about Avatar okay it is a road no I'm not talking about Avatar okay I'm talking about Scooby-Doo 
I'm sorry, but they never stay in one place. They're always on the road in their mystery machine. And yes, they happen to stop and solve, uh, solve, uh, you know, crimes and stuff along the way. But you never actually know where it is that they're going. So they're it? always in the middle of the middle of their journey, aren't they? Like Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of anime, though, Kino's Journey is the epitome of the road uh, road story. It's all about Kino and her uh, talking motorcycle. Uh, talking motorcycle. Um, I forgot his name. Was it Hermes or was it Mercury? I can't remember. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was Hermes. Um, and she just wants to see the world. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the whole point of it. She's off to just see the world. Yeah. And it's all about the things that she sees. The stories are all about the things that she, the, the things that she sees and the people that she meets. That's it. When I was a kid, I watched something that I didn't even know was an anime until later. Yeah. Uh, it was an adaptation of uh, 80 Days Around the World. Are you on about uh, the one with the lion? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that was anime when I was a kid. Yeah. Because obviously it was dubbed into English. Yes. Later I found this out. But yeah, um, that was actually pretty good as far as I remember. Yeah. Uh, and it is a road. It is a road story. Yeah. yeah. It's a race, but it's also a road story. It's got more of the elements of a road story than it does a race. Well, in a way, they're not racing against anyone other than the clock. Yeah. So. Um, I, I've got to say, um, okay, very quickly, I've mentioned Kino's Journey, but uh, if I was going to pick any anime to fit the whole idea of the road, um, I'd have to go with uh, Spice and Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because that is, okay, it's horse and cart, but yeah. it's... Uh, Hollow and uh, I forgot his name. What's his face? Uh, you know, just on a journey yeah. to take her back north. That's it. And the two of them, they don't, they don't know each other, and they get to know each other along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, El Cazador de la Bruja, which most people probably haven't heard of, even if you're an anime fan. Uh, it's about a bounty hunter and her bounty, who is a witch, and it's about the two of them how they become friends and. The journey that they take and it's very it, it's kind of the kind of it's kind of spiritually it's a bit like Michiko Tohachin which is the third one I was going to going to choose mm-hmm. yeah. in terms of it's a lot more Latin American than it is you know Japanese yeah um, but then Michiko Tohachin is kind of the epit- is a lot uh, pretty much alongside Kino's journey as the epitome of the road and it's very 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 Latin American it's very South American um if you've not seen it, you deserve to watch it. It's kind of the Thelma, Lu- Thelma and Louise of anime. Well, in terms of the um, the wandering journey sort of thing, I definitely like uh, Trigun. Yes. In they re- he arrives in a different town every week. Yeah. Well, normally, actually, it's told from the point of view of the two... Um, yeah, the two insurance agents. agents. Yeah. agents that they normally arrive to see the fallout of whatever's yeah. happened in Vax's yeah. wake. Um for the f- most of the first arc of the series, they refuse to believe that he is the Vash, the Stampede, yeah. that this yeah. uh, huge bounty is out on. Yeah. yeah. But basically, he does a very... It's a very almost Jesus analogy, isn't it? That he wanders through the deserts and, yeah. help, and helps people without... I'm not sure how the crab retreat fits into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in a way, Vash, the Stampede, he always plays it as if he's an idiot that's just done everything by accident. Yeah. When he's not. Yeah. Everything he's done was... Precisely. Pure, yeah. Talent or 
planning, but yeah, yeah, he plays it off as being the idiot. So you find out why at the end. Oh yeah, because it's far too heavy for him to deal with, so he has to. Interesting, it like you that. said Trigun because uh, I am going to say then uh, Trigun is in there, so I'm going to say Cash and Sins. Mm. Oh yes, I was going to bring this one up. Uh, Cash and Sins. Um, it's uh, it's an alternative version of Robot Hunter Cashin uh, from like the 1970s and 80s, um, but this time Cashin has this kind of it has this relationship with Luna, who um, the robots are effectively um, they they wiped out the humans and it's not that they wiped out the humans. The whole point of Luna was that uh, she uh, you know robot she gave she basically made robots immortal yeah. initially, but then Cashin kills her. Yeah, and so robots uh, so oh no no robots initially were able to die, but mm-hmm. then Cashin kills Luna. Right, and now robots uh, robots are immortal. Yeah, but they're con- they're just de- decaying over time. Yeah, you know they're falling apart over time instead of dying, and they go to Luna to die. I think I got that the right way around. Yeah, I think yeah, because right. they're immortal, so she actually it, kill allows them death. It's like there's a rumor if they eat Cashin, yeah, they'll become immortal and they won't break down. They'll be yeah forever fixed because he's a shiny brand new robot yeah but, uh, and it's a story of cashin and his guilt yeah uh, basically destroying the world when yeah. he killed mm-hmm. luna um because cashin is a berserker he you know when his mask goes on he'll destroy pretty much anything that's in front of yeah. him and the i'll tell you what one of the most horrible things i've seen in anime even though cashin is a robot was uh when he was being tortured yeah. When he when he was being torn apart over and over again, yeah, that was that was horrible. Um, but Cashin sins definitely. It's very yeah. dark. Um, okay, very quickly then before because we have got uh, only a few minutes left. Road comics and manga are generally uncommon, but why? I don't know if they are. I don't read enough. Sorry. Well, I mean, you uh, think about it. Tintin is effectively a comic about Tintin's journeys around the world. Yeah. Right. So it fits the whole model of the rod. Lone Wolf and Cub yep. obviously fits the whole model of the rod. Um, Vinland Saga, which you guys I don't think have read, but you should. It's a brilliant brilliant series. But that has elements of the rod as well. Um, uh, Why is the Last Man? Has a lot of elements in the rod in there. Um, Preacher as well has a lot of elements in the rod. But the actual... The actual number of titles you can list that have elements of the road in terms of the wider kind of manga and comics in uh, comics industry mm-hmm. is very, very, very limited. Why is it so limited? Why is it so difficult to get the whole idea of the road into a comic? Well, in a way, quite a lot of what uh, sells in the con- comic industry, you must have noticed the the big IPs they constantly have to reset. Yeah. So familiar familiarity. And having a constant base that you yeah. can go back to, a constant yeah. like set of normality, a constant status quo, mm. is what um, a lot of the things base the stuff off. There has been times where, for example, Batman's went out on the road. Yeah. But the standard, the the zero for him, is to be based in Gotham. Yeah. yeah. And that's what people expect. So I'd say that there are departures from that, but I'd say that like in general. The, the big IPs in the comic book industry do like to have a 
a very standard setting that people it, are familiar with. This is this person, this person looks after this. Yeah. Like, Batman looks after um, Gotham, Superman um, looks after... Um, See, uh, Met- Metropolis, Metropolis, that's it. Uh, Spider-Man New York. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that the manga that uh, Stan Lee wrote, Hero Man, yeah. uh, it's interesting that that does turn into a road tale. Yes, it does. After the initial arc where they, uh, where they defeat the first wave of the... Uh, what were they, they weren't called Skrull, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was something similar to that. Uh, after the, where they defeat the, uh, the first thing and the... Uh, you know, the commander in the first arc, they then have to go on the run from the government, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it turns into a bit of a road tale. Yeah. So I'll agree with you on that. So interesting that Stan Lee, who's never really wrote a road mm. story, aside from, I would argue, perhaps the Incredible Hulk. Yes, the early Incredible Hulks were very much a road story. Because he's always having to keep moving. Because Yeah, he could never stay in one place. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's pretty much the only one. And the only other Marvel property I'd suggest that Wolverine, 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 perhaps? modern Wolverine yeah. with origins has been heading in that direction. I was going to suggest the Silver Surfer as well. Yes, the Silver Surfer as well. Wasn't Forever traveling, never staying in one place. Yeah. Wasn't there an arc in um, the X Men where Rogue and Gambit went off on their own? Uh, there tends to be a few of those in the X Men. I mean. Um, all of the characters have basically had personal journeys at some yeah. point, like Storm to Africa and uh, yeah. Yeah. all sorts of different uh, places and things. And yeah. yeah. So I think in comics they like to, like, a main arc in a comic is they're there, everything's perfect, some bad he comes, he ruins it, they beat the bad guy and they return everything to the status quo. Yeah. But if you're moving about, it's hard to establish what the status quo is. Yeah. So sticking to the same environment helps. Yeah. Okay. Very quickly, pick of the geek then, your uh, favourites, road, anime, cartoon, or comic or manga. Okay. Outlaw Star, the road, in space. Uh, There are no roads in space. Where we're going, we won't need roads. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it starts off very, very Star Wars in a way because you've got um, yeah. Gene and Jim Hawking, the the very, very Han Solo, the main character, yeah. uh, bounty hunter, just out doing his thing and gets like tied up in a tale of great destiny and uh, a great treasure, so that everyone seems to get caught up in reaching this final destination. So Outlaw Star is my pick. Okay, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, all-powerful child doesn't really want to save the earth but everyone's trying to force him that way and it's his um, path trying to find out how to be this ultimate power and save the world so it's really well done and one of the best western cartoons I've seen in a long time if we're talking western cartoons I've got the journey that never ends that is uh, Samurai Jack yes yes uh, I was going to say Samurai Jack. You beat me to it. Anyway, um, since you said my favourite Western one, I'm not going to repeat. Uh, I will have to go with Michiko Tahachin over Kino's journey. Uh, Michiko Malandro escapes from prison to find her uh, missing lover. And he, Hannah Morenos is, at that point, living with a different family. Uh, Michiko comes busting through the kitchen window kidnaps Hannah, and the two of them set out on a journey across uh, across South America to find uh, her missing dad and uh, Michiko's lost lover. 
Nice. Uh, that's why I said it's the Thelma and Louise of anime. Yeah. Um, Michiko only kidnaps Hannah because she thinks Hannah might know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, we are unfortunately at the end of the show. Um, we're going to play you out with uh, Kazarinchu Yamaranai uh, Tomaranai. But before then, we have a few announcements. They starting now. We have a competition. You can win one of five. That's right, five digital copies of Senran Kagura Burst, courtesy of P Cube. Uh, yes. Um, so all you have to do to win is send us your name to the Geek Studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. Excellent. This competition is open to everybody in the world, even if you're living in Antarctica or on the International Space Station. You know, if you have a 3DS and you want uh, to play I Senran Kagura Burst. And, and a Wi-Fi connection. And a Wi-Fi mm-hmm. connection. If you want have, have a 3DS and you want to play Senran Kagura Burst, then get your entries in. Do I need to have any special subject or nope? Just nope. Just, just name. Oh no no! You just pay, uh, you just put uh, Senran Kagura competition. Okay. I want to win a 3ds game. <laughs> subject. <laughs> yes. Uh, just put. Uh, just put in the uh, subject line. Yes. Uh, Senran Kagura competition. Give me three things. Yes, and send us your name, and that's it. Yay. That's all you need to do to win. We'll be drawing the winners at random on our next show, which is the 16th, was it? Yes. No. Yes. Hang on. Maths. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. It's next. It's a week today. Um, let's leave it at that. Uh, the competition will close at 6.30 a week today, and we'll be announcing the winner live on the next show. Um, so you have until then to send us your name to studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. And remember, title the message, Senran Kagura Competition. Um, our next quiz is on the 9th of April at Mink. And just a quick reminder, there are a lot of prizes on offer for the winners. Um, there's uh, five quad-size double indemnity posters, a whole bunch of Blu-rays, anime uh, from uh, all that from, uh, uh, from Eureka Masters of Cinema, a bunch of anime from MVM Entertainment, uh, some 3DS games and all sorts of other stuff. So, yes... Uh, Come along, it's going to be a great night. That's at, that's at Mink. Sorry. Last month was awesome, actually. Yeah, last month really was awesome. That is going to start at Doors Are Up at 7 on Wednesday at Mink. On next week's show, we'll be talking about something else. If you want to talk to us, Yay. we're on Facebook, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you can email us at studio at thegeekshow.co.uk as well. Uh, we have been The Geek Show, and we'll see you all next week. I've been Rob. I'm Dave. I'm Ben. Bye. Yes, goodbye. <laughs>
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.